Hi, everybody. This is Coach Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains Podcast. Uh, today, it's just us, you and me, going along for this journey. Um, going to go over uh, episode I've been promising, which is heart rate versus RPE, or rating of perceived exertion. I'm going to define each of these and talk a little bit more about each of them and when we can use them in your training. So it's it's hopefully something that will will help everybody out there. Um, these are what I go by in my coaching principles uh, and how I do things personally. So uh, everybody does things differently. This is my way, not to say it's the right way, but it, you know it's something you can try or um, perhaps put into your training that might help. So I hope it does. So. Uh, you know, heart rate, what are we talking about here? Well, first off, uh, when I talk heart rate, I like to make sure my athletes have a chest strap heart rate monitor with A&T or Bluetooth technology that links to your watch. Um, so um, the optical, which if you have a wristwatch that has heart rate built in, it's those little blinking lights on the back of your watch. Um, or an armband that has the optical reader. Again, they're the uh, the LED blinking lights. Uh, I do not find them very accurate or consistent. So um, I go only by chest rate data. So if you're wearing a chest strap, um, non non optical heart rate monitor, that's the kind of data that we're looking for. So don't depend on your wrist heart rate data. That's the first thing I'll say is it can be very inaccurate. So um, the other thing is it doesn't need to be used all the time, okay? Uh, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later as to how you can appropriate use, appropriately use heart rate and not get too um, you know, caught up in always looking at your watch, always looking at the data and the metrics. Uh, that's where RPE or rating of perceived exertion will come in. So let's talk a little bit about each and um, what you'll see and, and how you can use it. Um, heart rate, if, uh, if you look on Strava, uh, Strava uses typically a five zone system. Um, there are three zone systems in which you have zone one, zone two, and zone three. In a three zone system, what we're talking about primarily is that zone one is your aerobic zone. And I would classify that as up to 78% of your maximum heart rate. So um, it, if you want to do um, 220 minus your age, uh, that typically gives you roughly your, uh, your maximum heart rate. Um, you could also do a maximum heart rate test, uh, which you know, simply can be you do a warm up, you know, whatever that takes for you, 15, 20 minute warm up, do a few strides to kind of loosen up and stretch out, make sure that you're you're good and ready uh, to, to go fast, because to get to your maximum heart rate, you have to go extremely fast. So make sure the legs are good and ready. And then, you know, when you feel warmed up, you can just go as hard as you can for about a quarter mile. And if you get to failure, you've done great because you're you've tapped your your maximum heart rate okay that will give us an eye an indicator of what your maximum heart rate is uh, and then you would cool down thereafter making sure you jog down get that heart rate back down stretch out the legs a little bit okay um don't want to don't want to get hurt just from doing this so uh you know do be careful you can do it on a hill and just go as fast and as hard as you can but it's usually easier to do it on something like a track or a flat greenway or something like that 
um, but that would give us your maximum heart rate. And then you would take, you know, 78% of that uh, or below, and that is what's going to give us zone one. Zone two in a three-zone system is your threshold, which, you know, to me is up to about 85% of maximum heart rate. That's your lactate threshold. So 85% or lower. Um, it's kind of, uh, I would say, 80 to 85% is that zone two. Now, you know, we've got this 78 to 80% kind of discrepancy. That's kind of a gray zone. Uh, you don't want to find yourself in that kind of, you know, 79 ish area. Um, it's, it's like right in between. So, um, you know, that 80 to 85 is, is what we're talking here for zone two in a three zone system. And then zone three is anything above that threshold, kind of that 86 plus, um, of your maximum heart rate. Uh, I don't like to have my athletes do much more than 90% of maximum heart rate. Um, I find that it's just, uh, it's too hard of an effort, um, you know, a sustained effort at least. So if we're doing intervals, I typically prescribe 90% of maximum heart rate or less for anaerobic or maximum v or max VO2, maximum oxygen intake uh, workouts. So um, keeping that in mind. Uh, that's your zone three. So that's a three zone system. Then there's the five zone si system, which is your typical. You're going to see that more often. Um, five different zones. Uh, zone one is recovery. Okay. So um, a recent course I took said that 62% uh, of maximum heart rate is about the low end range of what we are going to gain any aerobic benefit from. So 62% of your maximum heart rate is that low end of zone one where you're still doing something that will aerobically benefit you. Um, and then, you know, uh, where does that go up to? Um, so, you know, that's, that's debatable. Um, so, uh, but zone one is anything lower than that 62%, right? We don't really train much in zone one. So 62% and under that's zone one zone two is going to be, um, your, you know, your, your endurance runs. So, um, roughly 62%, which I said is where you start to benefit from, uh, up to about, I don't know, 68 to 70%. We're splitting hairs there. Um, but uh, that's zone two. Uh, zone three is uh, where you're going to be getting the, the maximum benefit for your average run. Your, you know, what you're, you're doing on a daily basis when you go out for your normal conversational pace. And when we talk about RPE, we'll compare the two. But um, zone three is up to 78% of maximum heart rate, like I was talking about earlier. Now, what's that 78%? Why 78%? I've talked about it in previous podcasts. 78% is what has been deemed as the ventilatory threshold, that um, that barrier where once you go beyond it, you start to accumulate too much lactate acid into your system that your body cannot flush, okay? So um, it's, it's where we, uh, we go above and beyond that lactate threshold. All right, so that's why 70, 78% is uh, the, the maximum part of your zone three. Zone four, um, that gets back into um, you know, your um, aerobic threshold, which I'm going to cap at 85%. You'll see um, you know, others that will go a bit higher, but I like to say about 85% is that zone four. Uh, zone five is going to be um, you know, 86 and higher. Um, again, you know, we're, we're going to split hairs here. Um, you're going to see all different ranges and rates, uh, you know, 
Strava is going to have something different. Training Peaks is going to have something different. Uh, you know, everybody has their um, their percentages, but you know, for for intents and purposes, that's what we're talking about with the five zone system. Then you, at times, you will see seven zone systems, and now they start to break down these these five zones that we've talked about into um, A and B. Like for instance, the anaerobic zone, which is the zone five. Okay. So zone one, recovery, zone two, endurance, zone three is your aerobic, zone four is threshold, zone five is anaerobic. So in a seven zone system, they are now splitting zone five into two different sections, okay? That's that's what they do in a seven zone system. Uh, they're not as frequent. You don't see them as often. Typically, more traditionally, you're going to see the five zone system. Three being the simplest, uh, that kind of keeps it really basic. Uh, but I use a five zone system so that we can, you know, kind of be a little bit more detail oriented. Um, so that's that's the different heart rates that you'll see. Okay, the different heart rate systems. Um, you know, how many different zones you'll find. Um, and again, five is going to be the most common. Now, RPE, or once again, rating of perceived exertion. This is based off of how you feel. We're not working off of heart rate here. We're not working off of pace or any metric. It is simply how you feel on a given day. What are you feeling during the run? Does it feel too hard? Does it feel too easy? You are primarily just checking in with yourself. That is what rating of perceived exertion. You're giving a rating to your perceived exertion. Okay. Now there's two different scales. Uh, Borg, B-O-R-G, the Borg scale. He first came up with a scale of six to twenty, uh, which, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think a little bit more difficult to, uh, to, you know, to, uh, to relate to a six to twenty scale. <laughs> um, so six is being like, you know, non-existent effort and 20 being a maximum effort. There's a lot in between there and it's a little bit, you know, gray as to, you know, what you're looking at. So I use the modified um, rating of perceived exertion scale or RPE scale, which is a scale of one to 10. Um, and actually, uh, technically it would be zero to 10 because zero would be um, no effort at all. Okay, so a modified RPE scale would be 0 to 10, with 0 being nothing, 10 being a maximum effort. Okay, um, so let's break this down a little bit further. And I'll try to put in the show notes kind of my uh, rating of perceived exertion scale so that, you know, you guys can see uh, what, you know, what I, I give my athletes as kind of a cheat sheet. Uh, so I'll put that in the show notes. But um, I classify one to three as basically you're walking, okay? Uh, again, zero is nothing. You're sitting on the couch doing nothing. Um, but one to three is your walks. One would be just a casual stroll. You know, you're going out just kind of you know, walking the dog or something like that. Two is, you know, you're, um, you're, you're walking with, you know, some intent, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit brisker. And three is kind of like power hiking. Like you're going after it, speed walking. In other words, you're really trying to power through and, 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 you know, almost getting into a jog because four, uh, a rating of four is a jog. All right. That's where we start going into the, uh, running motion is in, uh, in, uh, four, <laughs> excuse me. So uh, four, jogging, nice and easy. Uh, and then five and six, I kind of put five and six together. They're my conversational paces, okay? So that's when you are running um, and you're able to talk, 
Uh, I tell my runners, if you're running alone and you don't want to talk to yourself, sing. <laughs> if you can sing, you're in, uh, you're still in that five to six, right? So sh- you shouldn't be labored. Breathing should not be really hard. Um, it's, you know, you should be still able to sing or hold a conversation without any, um, any hard time or hard labored breathing. It's seven and eight where we start to get into uh, where you know breathing starts to become a little bit more labored. This is more of your tempo, your your threshold paces. Uh, seven, I would say, is uh, steady state for familiar. You know those familiar with steady state. Uh, you know that's kind of getting above um, your normal conversational pace, obviously. Uh, and whereas eight is now in your tempo, right? Your tempo paces or your lactate threshold. Uh, where you're, you know, you're sustaining a pace that is not sustainable beyond an hour. Uh, you know, you're, you basically could hold this pace for about an hour. That's kind of the, the, you know, the, uh, traditional, um, definition of lactate threshold pace This is the pace that you could sustain all out for an hour. So that's your seven and eight. Well, now nine and 10. Okay. Nine, I kind of put as my, uh, you know, kind of, um, five K pace. You know, it's it's definitely not all out. Uh, where ten being all out, that's your all out. You know, sprint. Uh, you know, that nine is kind of your mile to five k pace, where you know you could you know sustain it probably for maybe even up to ten k. Um, but you know, it's a solid pace. Could only give one word answers. Whereas in you know seven to eight, you could probably say like a short sentence. Um, but now in nine, you know, you're, you're talking one word answers, definitely really hard breathing, um, bit of strain, you know, takes a little bit to recover from 10, obviously you, you're, you're, like I said, all out. So, um, when my athletes ask, and I'll, I'll put this in the show notes as well. If I was talking heart rate, and again, I use the, the five zone scale, um, zone one is basically kind of your, um, uh, zero to um to two in your rpe scale three begins to touch on zone two okay and four is definitely zone two whereas five and six are zone three uh seven to eight are kind of high zone three to zone four and then your nine and ten are zone five for heart rate that's how i compare rpe to heart rate okay but um, the problem with heart rate and why we don't always want to use heart rate, uh, especially I don't like to use heart rate for my ultra runners because, you know, ultra runners a lot of times are on the trails. Now, the trails can create all sorts of different heart rate. Uh, you know, it's r- like erratic patterns in heart rate. It's, you know, because we have heel, we have hills, we have turns, we have rocks, roots, you know, our heart rate jumps up and down all the time. So it's hard to keep a consistent heart rate, and it would drive you absolutely insane to try to run by heart rate on the trail. And that's why we use RPE. Other things that can affect heart rate are caffeine, sleep, and the amount of sleep. So if you haven't slept a lot, your heart rate can elevate. Stress. Stress can dramatically increase your heart rate, even your resting heart rate. So there's so many factors that can you know set off your heart rate and make them escalate or elevate. So you know, again, you know, heart rate, it's, it's, a uh, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll talk about some good times to use it, but I just wanted to stress, there are a lot of things that can contribute to a higher heart rate heat. Oh my gosh, we're in the middle of summer. That's like the biggest thing right now. You know, your heart rate, it's, it's going to be uh, exponentially higher, the hotter it gets, 
So your heart rate's going to climb just because your body's trying to cool itself and it has to escalate the heart rate in order to do so. So, uh, you know, heat is really another variable. So again, you know, rating of perceived exertion is a great way to learn your body. Now, some of my, you know, my folks are just not comfortable with uh, running by RPE. They've never done it. So that's where I say, okay, there's this intermary period, this introductory period, we'll call it, where we're going to use heart rate so that you can begin to learn what those efforts feel like and what I'm looking for. So again, I expressed, you know, zone uh, two is going to be a four RPE. Zone three is going to be a five to six. So, you know, when they're running, they can look at their watch and check the metric, check their heart rate. If they have their heart rate strap on, right, their chest strap, um, and they can check, am I staying, you know, zone three? That's, you know, that will give them the feedback and then they get to feel, okay, and learn what does that RPE feel like? Uh, so that's a great time to use it is if you're transitioning to RPE and want to make sure you're doing it correctly, that, you know, the, the metrics are uh, corresponding correctly to what you're doing, okay? Um, but again, you know, you've got all these other variables. So if it's hot, you know, paces are going to be slower, right? You're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to slow that heart rate down because of the heat. So it's, you know, you have to be okay with this. Most people are running too hard. They don't realize that, you know, even on their conversational paces, they think that, you know, they're running within uh, zone three when they're really running zone four. And, you know, we're, we're missing out on that aerobic capacity. We're not building the aerobic cardiovascular system as best we can at those, you know, slower paces, which will make us more efficient at our, um, our aerobic capacities. So, uh, you know, it's, it's so weird that we have to slow down to speed up. (laughs) We have to slow down to get faster. I have this conversation all the time. Uh, folks, you know, they're just like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So, um, I understand that. Yes, I, I completely understand that. But by slowing down and working at these other paces, we are actually becoming more efficient at running at faster paces at a lower heart rate. And so it, it, you know, we, we build off of that. That's where we can start building in faster paces because now we're becoming more efficient cardiovascularly, uh, cardiopulmonary, all of these things, your, your muscular system, everything is building upon itself. We gain so much by running aerobically, uh, by building this cardiovascular system down to the, the cellular level, the amount of mitochondria build, the amount of capillaries we build, all of this stuff, it's, you know, it happens at these slower rates. We become more efficient runners by running at slower paces at these zone three paces. So, you know, so, you know, you're like, well, again, Aaron, why wouldn't I just always run by heart rate again, you know, here, like if you are an ultra runner and you run the trails and such, you're going to drive yourself nuts if you're constantly trying to run with heart rate. So, uh, that said, you know, again, you've had this introductory period. So then when do you use it? When do I use it? Well, I use it, uh, on, well, I used to use it. I understand now. Uh, I use it on recovery days. Recovery days are huge to make sure my heart rate stays extremely low, that it stays down in zone two, um, that I am recovering by staying in zone two. Those are the important days to run slow, you know, to make sure that the um, the heart, the body has the chance to make the adaptations that we're giving it. Um, so your recovery days on, you know, when going out for that four RPE, that, that jog, that's a great day to wear heart rate. Other great days. It's where great to wear heart rate. When you do a tempo effort, it is so hard to nail that 80 to 85% 
um, of your maximum heart rate. That that tempo pace that is extremely difficult to find. It is you know it's such a short range. It's just this small window that we got to nail. I did a, a progression run today in which uh, the last thirty minutes were at eighty percent of maximum heart rate. And again, you know, like uh, it's it, without having done this time and time again, it's hard to nail and know where that is. So that heart rate metric can help. Um, but if you're doing a hill workout, uh, you know, that's where it becomes difficult, right? Like you're going to be constantly looking at your watches, which takes away from your, uh, your mental energies, which is going to drain you um, eventually because your mental energies are still using your body's energies. So, you know, you have to be um, pragmatic. You have to be, uh, you know, uh, strategic in which workouts you use them in, in learning you know, here's the effort. Here's how it feels to be running at this effort. Um, that 80 to 85%, that um, 7 to 8 RPE, that is the trickiest spot. Now, I'll say, you know, because most people go too hard. They don't realize that they're going above that, you know, 85%. They're not in the zone. So we're missing training that lactate threshold. We're, we're not hitting threshold pace. We're beyond that now. We're getting into the anaerobic system. So we're no longer training the system that we're, we're trying to develop, which will sustain faster paces for longer periods of time. Now, the anaerobic system will make us faster. Yes, overall, we'll, we'll increase our fitness ceiling by increasing our max VO2, but we are not creating sustainable aerobic paces. Because the uh, zone four, this 80 to 85%, it's actually within our aerobic system. It's the high end of it. It's still aerobic paces. But, you know, we are increasing that lactate threshold. We are increasing the pace at which uh, we can still run at a faster pace while producing lactate, but our body can still accommodate that lactate. We're always producing lactate. Our, our bodies are always producing it. It's it, Can we clear it fast enough? And by increasing that aerobic capacity, by running in that, that zone four, that 80 to 85%, that 7 to 8 RPE, we are now becoming more efficient at clearing lactate. That is the purpose of those runs. But again, if you are not hitting the right zone, if you're not hitting the right area, we're not, you know, mission not accomplished. <laughs> we have failed at achieving what we are meant to do within that workout. So that is a great spot to do it. So um, the two that I like it for, again, is um, for uh, recovery runs and for your lactate threshold or tempo work. Um, some folks, again, you know, uh, getting to know uh, running, they really have a hard time finding that five to six conversational pace where that falls because, again, a lot of people go into zone four without really knowing it. Uh, that's also a great time to say, okay, 78% of maximum heart rate, that is my cap. That is as high as I can let myself go. And it is really tough to be disciplined enough to when you go over 78%, when you go over that, that, you know, that cap that we've put on it, to slow yourself down. Whether that be through you know slowing the pace down or simply walking, that you know that's really difficult, especially on hills. You know, most of us just like to charge up hills without thought, uh, and to really be disciplined enough to say, okay, I need to pull back a bit, you know, so that my heart rate doesn't go too high. But you know, again, that's that's what really is helpful to us. Uh, so um, those are the times I really liked to use it. But a lot of times we become too over reliant on the technology. We constantly want that feedback, you know, and, and we can't stop checking our watch. 
which again, we're taking away too much, not only from the run and your enjoyment of the run, your enjoyment of the training process, but you know, just from uh, your, <laughs> as I talked about earlier, your energies that you're using. So be careful with that. Um, I, I, I really, I'd love people to kind of understand, okay, I, I get it now. I understand what paces I should be running. I understand how hard I should be running. And then put aside the wrist heart rate. Turn it, turn it off of your watch. Turn your heart rate off. Um, yeah, and again, if you have just the wrist optical heart rate, turn that off anyway. You're just wasting your battery. That's, you know, that's not helping us during the run. So just turn that garbage off. That way you're not tempted to look at it. Um, so, um, but then, you know, like I said, once that you have, um, you've learned what your heart rate is at, uh, at various RPEs, you can kind of start moving away from that technology. And again, using it sparingly, because you'll, you'll get to know when your, your, your recovery paces, how those paces will feel, and you won't need your heart rate. You may still need it for the, the tempo runs and such, but, uh, you know, that would be the only time I would continue to use heart rate is during your tempo work or your lactate threshold paces. Um, I mean, it's, it's great metrics for your coach and stuff. Um, if your coach is using that, it, it, you know, they can kind of provide feedback. Um, but, you know, at the same time, don't drive yourself nuts with it. <laughs> um, so um, what else? Um yeah, I mean, those are the, the main things that I really wanted to go over with uh, with using heart rate. Um, again, it's it's really good to find out your maximum heart rate. There are some calculations uh, for finding maximum heart rate um, that you can do. Um, but, you know, what I found is it really, it's <laughs> it's almost the same as doing 220 minus your age. <laughs> um, it usually comes out to be about the same. Um, but doing a max heart rate test, you know, that is, is, you know, it's a great way to make sure that you have the right data and set up the right zones. Um, you know, there's plenty of resources online. Once you have that, you know, it, it kind of helps you set up your zones. Uh, you can do that on Strava within your profile. Um, if you use training peaks or final surge, same thing, you go into your profile and you can set up your, um, your zones. Um, so, but you know, good feedback, uh, good information. Uh, if you are disciplined enough to wear the heart rate strap and not looking at it, you know, during the run and then just have that data for afterwards, that's fantastic. Um, but if it's going to make you constantly check your watch, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't think it's worth it. I think it, you know, definitely, uh, switch over to, to, uh, to RPE, you know, but again, you know, especially for my ultra runners for marathon runners, um, I find, you know, heart rate data is a very valid way to train. So, um, you know, as I say, for, for ultra runners, I, I like RPE for marathon and under, I find that, you know, heart rate data can be a very valid way to train. So, uh, two very distinct reasons why, um, you know, again, with RPE, we get to learn our body, you know? So, uh, for ultra runners, that's extremely important to know what your body has on a given day, because, you know, what I run today, given pace, may not be the same pace tomorrow at the same RPE. I may have a five to six RPE run on the schedule for tomorrow, and that pace may be nowhere near the same as it was for yesterday's five to six RPE for the same amount of time. So, you know, it's really getting to know your body. 
and being in tune with your body, learning what it has to offer you on that given day. I think that's the, one of the best things about RPE, because then you start to learn when does my body need food? When does my body need water? When does it need to slow down? When can I speed up? When does it need to walk? These are all things that you learn because you're now listening to your body. And that's what RPE will do for you. So for my ultra runners out there, um, I really suggest, you know, trying to learn RPE, you know, the, the zero to 10 scale and, and getting to know those various efforts. Okay. And if you have to use heart rate, you know, at first to try to understand what those efforts are, it's completely fine. But, you know, wean yourself off of that so that you can just listen to the body and know, okay, this is what I have today for this amount of time. You know, so if I have whatever it be, um, you know, a two hour long run on the schedule, then, you know, here's what I have for, for two hours. So, okay. Very good. So that's, that's what I have for heart rate and RP. If you guys have any questions, uh, don't hesitate to reach out, um, about, uh, about this topic. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Um, my contact is in uh, the show notes. You can reach out to me through the, uh, the website. Um, folks ask me questions on Strava, which is totally fine. If you want to reach out through me, to me through social medias, uh, you know, all my stuff is, is in the show notes. Happy to answer any questions about this topic or hear your thoughts on it. Like I said, this is how I, I see things. You know, I'm not saying it's right. This is how I do things. Um, but you know, I, I, I know there's, you know, 10 different ways to do the same thing. So, um, just trying to, to give some insight into what I see and what I do. Okay. So other than that, let's, uh, let's see what else is going on here. The newsletter has come out. So the July newsletter is out. I've posted that on Strava and on social media. So, uh, you can find it there. Um, I need to put a link on my website because all of my old newsletters can be found on my website, mrrunningpains.com under the connect with me page. They're all archived there. Um, so you can check those out. Uh, in the newsletter, um, I wrote, uh, you know, an article about tapering. I wrote an article, um, about my art lobe experience, um, about finding the right shoe for Bigfoot 200. There's a lot in there, some training tips, uh, you know, just as, you know, I try to pack that, that newsletter with as much information as I can. Uh, you know, some, uh, songs that you can download for your playlist, uh, all sorts of stuff. So, uh, it's all in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, July newsletter has come out. If you'd like to subscribe, it's a free subscription. Uh, you can do so on my website. There's a, uh, a sign up for the newsletter on there. Uh, again, completely free to you. It comes out once a month. Uh, at least that's what I tried to get done. <laughs> um, and so please connect with me there. Uh, so far as the art lobe run went, I, I said, I would talk more about it. Um, it was, um, it was probably exactly what I needed because, uh, you know, not everything went right. Um, it was, it was a tough day. Uh, we started out and, uh, we had five guys with us. Um, unfortunately, uh, one had an extremely tough day and, um, we had to, uh, um, you know, I, I stayed with this, this person and, and made sure that they were okay until, um, one of our support crew came and picked them up. And, uh, but unfortunately put us, you know, a bit behind schedule. And then, um, I got some cramps, uh, you know, um, it, it could have been electrolytes, uh, Lord knows, uh, could have just been fatigue <laughs> on the art lobe trail. For those of you who don't know the art lobe trail, uh, it's about 30 miles, uh, roughly 8,000 feet of gain one way. We were doing it both ways. So we were going out and back. So you know, we're talking 60 miles with, uh, you know, over 16,000 feet of gain. Um, uh, so 
Um, and then, you know, after the cramps, uh, we're coming down into the turnaround point, which is uh, Daniel Boone Boy Scout camp. And unfortunately, one of my other friends fell and really hurt his hip and we had to carry him out. Um, yeah, well, um, one of the other guys, you know, shouldered him cause it was single track. So, you know, two of us really couldn't get under him, but, um, you know, we had to hike him out. And by the time we got to Daniel Boone, our timeline had already said we should be back at black balsam. So we should have been, um, roughly 43 miles <laughs> into the run and we were 30 miles into the run. So we're 13 miles behind. Um, so we were, um, you know, kind of, uh, I had checked out because I was worried about my friend, you know, mentally I had checked out. I thought I was, you know, we were done for the day. Um, but, uh, another one of our friends was meeting us there and he was going to run back with us, but he said he would take care of, um, our friend that got hurt. So, uh, with that, we decided to pack up our stuff and get moving because the, uh, we were going to be chasing daylight. Uh, weren't sure that, uh, I had enough batteries, um, a little bit was a little bit concerned with that. So, um, you know, we began and we, I think we pushed a bit too hard. <laughs> uh, we got within about two miles of, uh, where I was meeting my wife at black balsam. Uh, and that was the 43 miles in point. And, uh, the, uh, we got to tenant and turned on our lights and then, you know, we made it into, uh, black balsam, met my wife. Uh, it was dark, but we were beat because <laughs> we had been pushing. So 43 miles in, I think we were close to 14,000 feet of gain for the day already. Uh, maybe, maybe it was 13. Anyway, whatever it was, <laughs> we were really tired from pushing. We had really pushed hard to get there. So we laid on the, the entrance road to black balsam for about an hour, just wiped out. And, uh, my, my wife wasn't letting me quit. She, you know, kicked our butts out of there after about an hour and we got going again, but my stomach was just not right. Um, um, I, I, I tried some things just to see if they'd work for Bigfoot. Um, you know, answer was nope, they do not. <laughs> so, uh, stomach kept going South because of a lot of the downhill and how technical the trail was just kept bouncing my stomach. Um, I tried to take a ginger ale and I think that was part of the problem. It was a zero sugar ginger ale and whatever the, you know, sugar substitute that was in it, it just really, really finally just upset my stomach. And, uh, uh, with about 12 miles to go, I just started dry heaving. And with every dry heave, I just seemed to lose a bit more energy. Um, you know, one of my friends still being with me realized I was really going downhill quick, um, and it was, you know, we're getting on uh, like 22 hours into this. <laughs> uh, we've been out there for about 22 hours. So, uh, he said, Hey, let's just cut it down to the fish hatchery, which will cut off three miles and get you out of here. Cause, uh, yeah, things were just not going well. I knew I needed to eat. I did. I knew I needed the calories. I was just seeing if I could, you know, fight it out. But, uh, my, my energy levels were just going down. I was getting sleepy. I wasn't making good decisions because of my, my sleep deprivation, um, not sleep deprivation, but because of how fatigued I was, um, my mental acuity was just not there. Um, and he was trying to get me to eat and, you know, I, I just, I was too tired. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't respond, which I was uh, disappointed with myself. Um, you know, I knew better. Uh, and I, I said it to myself in my he my head. Uh, and as I read Addie Bracey's book, I realized that mistake. You know, I realized so much about what Addie Bracey says in her book, Mental Training for Ultra Running. Uh, I went through a lot of that in my head. 
Um, it helped a lot to be going through this book right now. Uh, I learned a lot. I applied a lot of what I learned from this book. So if you haven't read this book, Addie Bracey's Mental Training for Ultra Running, I, I suggest you pick it up. It's a great workbook. There's so much in there because, uh, uh, like I said, you know, I applied so many lessons that day, and I knew exactly what I was doing was was wrong. But uh, you know, as she says in her book. Fatigue can make you make the wrong choices, and I did. I, I didn't eat, and so you know we we finished. A uh, bit disappointed that I didn't complete. You know the last three miles. Uh, we we you know we got about fifty seven miles in. We got sixteen thousand five hundred feet of gain, uh, which was incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, but we were on our feet for twenty three hours. So you know there was a lot of positives to the run. A lot of things were learned that day. And I appreciate um, my friend Nathan. He's crewing for me out at Bigfoot. I appreciate him more than I can say for being out there. Um, my wife for, for crewing for us. Uh, my friend Victor, who I always talked about, for him for crewing for us. All the other friends that joined me along the way. Uh, my friend Sheridan for meeting us out on the other side and taking care of our mutual friend. Uh, so I appreciate all of you guys more than I can say. Uh, you know, it, it really did mean a lot. Uh, and, the, you know, what I, what I learned and what I took away uh, there's so many things that I can apply to Bigfoot realizing that Bigfoot, I will be, you know, I'll be Aaron centric. We'll call it. (laughs) I'll be focused on myself, uh, and, and, and what I need to do to get to the finish line. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, here and in this art lobe experience, I was so focused on, on others and how they were doing and, you know, what they needed, Whereas in Bigfoot, I need to be focused on myself, what I need, what I have to do to get to the finish line. Uh, you know, winning this raffle ticket to get into Western States, it has kind of um, really uh, kind of made me just really want to finish this race, uh, whatever that takes. You know, if it's if it's really slowing down and just, you know, kind of making this more of a steady effort just so I can grind it out to the finish, so be it. I don't know what 200 miles is like. Uh, most of us don't, uh, and uh, you know that's that's part of the reason why I'm doing it is just to find out what how deep do I have to go. Um, I definitely had to go deep uh, on Art Lobe. Uh, you know, I know I'll probably have to go deeper on Bigfoot, uh, but it, like I said, such a great mental test. So many great things that I came away with from from Art Lobe that uh, that I'm moving forward with. Uh, you know, gear changes, uh, things that I realized are not going to work. Uh, you know, food, drink, um, like footwear. I mean, just so many things that I'm like, okay, you know, need to dial this in, need to get it right, which I've already started to make those changes. I already started to apply the lessons. So, uh, coming away with a lot from this. So very happy that I did it. Very happy that it's done, uh, and that I can move forward because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's, you know, it's, it's coming upon us six weeks here. So, with that, six weeks, I've started my heat training protocol uh, this week. So um, I've gone to two days of the sauna, which is just grueling. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I am not a, a hot weather or a hot high temperature person. So this has been good for me. Uh, it really is testing me. I get to um, – I've, I've done two 25-minute sessions. I don't know how hot it is, it, but it, you know, it, it feels scorching and it's a wet sauna. Uh, and oh my gosh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's everything I can do to stay in there for the last few minutes. 
uh, you know, I'm putting my head between my knees and just hanging in because it's just, it's trying. It really is. Uh, so I'm hoping it gets easier, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I'm hoping that uh, I, I don't need all this heat training. I'm, you know, if Bigfoot, if the temperatures stay pretty mild, I would love that. But if they are hot, I will be prepared for it. So um, uh, I am doing a six-week protocol. This is the long-term protocol. I took this from Jason Coop's book, Training Essentials for Ultra Running. So um, he's got two different protocols in there. He's got a six-week, which is the long-term, which is what I'm doing. And he's got a two-week, which obviously is the short-term. Both are effective. Um, you know, I, I, I myself obviously need a lot more practice with heat training, which is why I took the six week approach, um, can be a little bit more forgiving if I miss a few sessions as we're, we travel this weekend. So I may not get in the, the heat training that's on my, my schedule. Uh, but, um, you know, again, it's, it's something that I incorporated as a just in case, um, fantastic resource. Um, you know, if, if you guys have, uh, the chance, read that, you know, go over it, uh, check it out the, his book. It's, it's got some great resources in there. Um, you know, uh, we just had a, a, a one-on-one meeting with him. One of my athletes is going after the, uh, JMT John Muir trail, um, FKT. And, um, you know, she's doing a altitude training protocol and, um, Coop had something in his book. So I went over that with her and then <clears throat> she scheduled a one-on-one, which I got to sit in with, uh, and listen to, you know, Jason, he asked questions and we went through and, and he kind of, you know, gave us a little bit more understanding of how to schedule the, uh, uh altitude training protocol, which was really cool. Um, so I got a lesson in, in, uh, incorporating, you know, how to incorporate effective high altitude training for athletes that need that protocol and can, you know, train at a higher altitude for, uh, for an extended period of time. So really interesting stuff. Um, been really learning a lot um, on the coaching front. Um, you know, so uh, continue to to work on my Lydiard three. Um, got a meeting here with them here in a little bit. Uh, still working on my McMillan coaching uh, certification. Going through all those modules. Um, and uh, man, uh, I have not started my um, my nutrition certification. USCA U E S C A. Uh, I have their running and ultra running certifications. They came out with a nutrition certification. So I am going to be working on that as well. Uh, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it doesn't even make me a nutritionist. It just gives me a more well-rounded understanding of uh, nutrition, which, you know, I hope to be able to just be a little bit more knowledgeable as to, you know, why things work the way they do. Why do we take in this many calories or this many carbs or we need this much fat, etc.? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, <laughs> a person that is going to be making any nutrition recommendations. Uh, but I hope to understand better so that I can better serve my, my, uh, athletes when they have X, Y problem or question, I can say, okay, well, this is probably why we can probably get a little more clarification from somebody like a dietitian. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So, um, lots of stuff going on. My gosh, uh, <laughs> very, very busy time. Uh, which I am very excited about. Um, everything is is moving along at a great pace. Uh, I hope your training is going well. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you know, please reach out. Uh, I've got some great suggestions for podcasts that are coming up. I am recording with um, my um, sports medicine um, uh, doctor of osteopathic medicine, Dr. Kyle Judkins, um, the next Thursday. Uh, we are recording an episode about supplements, so vitamins and 
omegas, probiotics, all that kind of stuff. We're going to have a, a, a good conversation about that stuff. What's good for you? What's not good for you? How much is good for you? All that kind of stuff. We're going to have a great conversation on uh, supplements. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, got another uh, few athletes lined up, um, as well as um, a friend and, and coach, fellow coach, um, Phil Ladder. We're going to be talking about flow. Phil literally wrote the book <laughs> with uh, Dr. Mike on uh, the uh, running flow, the book running flow. Uh, we recently had him on a Zoom call with the team because we were talking about it as we've been reviewing Addie Bracey's book. So, um, but I'm going to do a podcast with Phil and we're going to talk about running flow. So pretty excited about that. Uh, along with another, uh, you know, a number of other topics that, that I'm working on. I'm hoping to do more kind of insightful podcasts like this. Again, I hope you found this helpful. <coughs> um, but um, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Uh, and until next time, my friends, keep running.